0: Friendship power flop, friendship power flop, let's go shonen flop, let's go shonen flop.
1: Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about Morking, and we're joined by our guest today, Luke. Hello. Luke, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell the audience a little like 30-second summary about yourself?
2: Uh, hi, my name is Luke Hare. I'm on Twitter at Coltreg K-O-L-T-R-E-G. I write comics, I podcast, and I do role-playing game stuff as well. Awesome. Yeah, speaking of your stuff,
0: I noticed you just got done like a huge thing wrapping up the entire Marvel Ultimate Universe, it seems.
2: Yeah, over two years, a friend and I covered all of the Ultimate Universe on our podcast where we were attempting to rank and discuss every alternate universe in more Marvel than DC, but we also did DC and some other stuff. (laughs) What is the best and worst alternate universe so far, would you say? The best alternate universe is one where J. Jonah Jameson ends up adopting Spider-Man. He adopts Peter Parker, and everything goes (sighs) wild from there.
0: That's such a good premise. That is pretty fantastic.
2: (laughs) And the worst one is something called Spidey Baby, where... (laughs) Somehow, Spider-Man and Mary Jane have a child, which is a weird anthropomorphic spider, which is pretty much just a large spider in a diaper for whatever reason, and it's just god-awful nightmarish gag strip, and Mary Jane is essentially turned into Nanny from the Muppets, where she just is a body no (laughs) head.
1: I was kind of hoping Spider-Baby would be like, what if Peter Parker was like reincarnated as like a K-pop star and that was like the name of his band? <laughs> but that wouldn't be the worst alternate universe, David. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were still talking about the best alternate universe. So sorry. But why don't we get into speaking about spo- um, insect related weird universes. Let's get into it, actually...
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. Wait, that, that kind of does
1: dovetail nicely into this comic, doesn't it? There you go. I made a transition so good. I didn't even have to compliment it myself.
0: Yeah, good job, man.
1: We're already taking W's today
0: the kind of positivity we're feeling is the kind of positivity that comes after reading Moriking.
1: King, I will say.
0: Yeah, this series
1: was like the most wholesome shit. We will get into that in just a minute as we start, though, by getting into the manga details. Moriking was created by Tomohiro Hasegawa. This is, I believe, his third major series in Shonen Jump. So before that, he did a series called Koino Cupid, which was a school combat series in 2013 that ran for 20 chapters. He created Shatsuma Kei, a one-shot, and then his His most successful series he's ever made was called Spring Weapon Number One, which was in 2016 and lasted 69 nice chapters. And it was about evil androids trying to take over the world. And this series, though, lasted for 35 chapters over four volumes and ran from April 13th, 2020 to January 18th, 2021. I believe it is the first member of the 2021 cancellation club we have covered so far. This was a COVID manga. Yeah. Yeah. Our Blood oath commented on COVID for, like, a second, as Jordan noted in the episode, but so far I don't think we've
0: read anything that actually, like, says COVID by
1: name or, like, explicitly shows everyone wearing face masks.
0: You know, that's fine. I'm not expecting that. It probably shouldn't. I think that if we do start getting those manga... It'll be like in a year, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. I could have totally seen Neolation, like embracing COVID as an element to it. Yeah. And then I also want to give this week's in fact, which for those who are unaware, we have a awesome person, Tucker, who makes Shonen Flop in which are kind of like in painting episodes where he goes into details like the translation, some of the lore. He did a super awesome one just about vampires in Japan that you can find on our YouTube channel for our Blood Oath. And so the in fact I want to talk about this episode is something interesting is in Japanese. Apparently all of the characters, Character names are actually anagrams of what the name of the insects are, and each of them also, I think, contains the katakana for the word king, so that's, like, how you could tell who the cannons were, is literally they had the word king, so Morking is the only one where they kept that, but I thought that was a really interesting detail the names of the characters.
0: Mm-hmm. I could definitely tell when I was reading this that there was something going on with the names. Mm-hmm. I don't speak Japanese, but like, there were definitely like a couple words where like, hey, wait a minute, I've seen that word in Digimon for a bug type Digimon. <laughs> <laughs> So, now let's shift gears into actually going into the details of the series. Jordan, take it away with your summary of Morking. It's the beginning of summer in the Aikawa residence, the home of a teenage girl named Shoko and her little brother Shota, who's obsessed with insects. Like many young Japanese children, Shota is raising a rhinoceros beetle, but when it hatches from its pupa, instead of a cool bug, out pops a hot anime boy with beetle horns and a crown. His name is Mora King, and even though he appears mostly human, he is a beetle who has been prophesized to be the king of the forest and rule over all Bugs by winning a tournament that occurs once every hundred million years. The next few chapters involve Mora King winning over the townsfolk as well as Shoko and Shota's family members by being a strong, handsome, good boy who helps people using weird bug powers, as Shota shares beetle facts that explain what is happening. Mora King meets other contestants in the humanoid insect battle, such as a butterfly gangster, a sweet little boy who is also a cockroach, a queen bee idol, and a mantis who both become good friends with Shoko. Mora King fights against the a stag beetle named Kuwata who wants to rule over the humans with an iron fist. Their ideological clash is represented by the fact that while Mora King actually most of the time is wearing clothes, Kuwata recognizes clothes as a tool of an oppressive force and so is just completely naked all the time. After a funny bleach slash DBZ fight, Mora King uses a spirit bomb to make Kuwata realize that actually people are pretty okay and you shouldn't kill them all or something, don't worry about it. However, it turns out that even though all the bugs in Japan fought, the world is actually way bigger than that. And suddenly, a Hercules Beetleman appears with pincers so big they do the Doug Dimidome massive hat thing from the Fairly Odd Parents where, like, his horns just go right off the panel. He and his Legion of Bugs battle Moriking Co. for bug supremacy in a series of strange events, but Mora King prevails and he becomes king, which grants him incredible power over the world. Six years later, Mora King has used these powers to make all the bugs except himself into people with normal human life spans and caused everyone except for Shota to forget all about the events of that summer. But one day, Shota and Shoko go bug hunting in the forest and run into a familiar naked man clinging to a tree like a beetle. That's just manga, baby. I wish it was just manga, you know? This manga's special. There's beetles in real life, Jordan, if you didn't know. Mm -hmm. They don't look like Japanese boys. (laughs) Speaking
1: of Japanese boys, should we get to talking about the character? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so I'll
1: start things off with talking about, I guess, someone who actually isn't a high school boy, but Akawa Shoko, who is a first-year high school student. She is very nice. She loves relationship gossip. She has a very wholesome relationship with her brother, and she is kind of aggressive about making friends with people.
0: You mentioned she's very nice, and I agree, but, like, her character is primarily aggressive. She is the straight woman in this She spends a lot of time reacting
1: to things for comedic purposes. Yeah. She's kind of like Nami from One Piece, where she's the one who's like, that's a stupid idea, like, react like a normal person, react to like all the weird shit that happens in the series.
2: Yeah. But in a very comedic way, because we also get people who are asked to play it straight and who don't really do that, like people who are reacting in a believable way to why is there this beautiful boy with a beetle horn on his head? And a crown. And he can fly.
0: And he can fly.
2: <laughs> she is
0: an athlete. She is a middle school judo champ, they point out various times, which is great.
2: Mm-hmm. Like when she helps stop a bank robbery. <laughs>
0: yeah, by doing <laughs> know, throw. It rules. <laughs> She's the person who's basically just continually shocked that everyone just seems to accept Moriking as the rhinoceros beetle. Mm-hmm. It's delightful, but also, what I appreciate is that while her brother is interacting with these insects as a way to um, essentially raise a pet, she interacts with insects too, in the form of other young girls who join her job and turn out to be insects and wind up being her best friend. Mm -hmm. she develops some very sweet and caring relationships with other anthropomorphic insects in a way that felt very realistic to how like teenage girls operate with each other.
2: She isn't left to be like a one dimensional character. They do a good job of rounding her out and giving her her own interests. And it's not like she is constantly angry at what is going on with her like you get in a lot of uh, series with the overbearing older sister trope
0: she loves the people around her she's just very confused and like a little aggressive which is like totally fine and i should also mention she is essentially the pov character
2: and like there's this wonderful moment where uh she's in summer school and she's talking with mori king who has just randomly crashed her class and disrupted everything and he's just remarking about how beautiful it is that because they're going to have full lives more than just a single summer, he is sad that he won't get that, but, like, she understands part of where he is coming from and why he is living his life to the fullest, and it's this great moment of recognition.
0: That's the thing, like, while initially she is very understandably freaked out by Mori but throughout the manga, she realizes, oh wow, he's actually like a good guy, and she's willing to change her perspective out of respect for him and out of love for her little brother mm-hmm. and then speaking of do you guys want to spend
1: a little bit of time talking about her little brother shoda absolutely
2: I-, I love this kid shoda just the kid who is 100 into insects in a way where like all of the character recaps compare him to different insects
0: it's so great i now know so much more about bugs than i think i ever would have known before deadass I was at the
2: zoo yesterday and I was like looking at the beetles and like finding the beetles that were in Mora and I was like this is great this manga makes learning fun it does I played a lot of New Horizons last year and it's like oh I caught some of these Now I know more about these. I looked into, can you raise beetles as a pet in the United States? And you can, but it's hard right now because they are not shipping beetle jelly.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. This manga kind of made me want to raise a beetle, you know? Because that's always been a thing that confused me about Japan. The fact that they do seem to raise rhinoceros beetles, and it's just a completely normal thing there. But reading this manga, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of think that rhinoceros beetles are cute now, which is, like, strange to say about a bug, but, like, now I feel that way. Yeah, also, uh, I think we're having a lot of fun Oh, Shoda. thing about Shoda that I really like is that the Shoda feels like the... In a nicer way than this usually comes off, he feels sort of like the author insert because the author clearly, clearly loves bugs in the same way that Shoda does. And every time a new anthropomorphic bug appears, Shoda immediately recognizes what bug it is and lists off a bunch of bug facts and all of their powers. Like, for instance, there's a praying mantis girl and she has the ability to, like, do really powerful slaps and stuff. And he explains how, yeah, this is what would happen if you made a praying mantis into somebody as large as a human.
1: I was gonna say, I was surprised like an ant never showed up and like they're just like literally lifting like an entire
0: house on their back or something crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I guess maybe because ants aren't something that you would keep as a pet. People keep ant farms. That is true. Even in America,
2: that's like the most common insect I would say people probably keep as a pet. Especially as a kid. But they're also not, like, a summer-specific bug, which is what a lot of these were.
0: Oh, yeah. Also, in order to properly do an ant thing, you'd have to have, like, probably a lot of ants. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Or you just have a queen, and that doesn't really work as well. Yeah. Why don't we actually, speaking
1: of bugs, talk about Morking himself?
2: I love this beautiful Ernest King whose goal is to provide the most help to all people and convinces other people to see his way. Socialist King, Mora King.
0: A true member of the Vanguard, I believe. The true successor to Vladimir Lenin. Yep. (laughs) Mora King rules because there is never a single moment where Mora King is in on the joke. He plays everything 100% straight, he's completely serious with everything he does, and it's hilarious. Part of it seems to be that he's dumb. Well, he is literally a beetle. Exactly. He's literally a beetle. That's what's interesting about the way this manga operates. He is both a human and still a beetle. Like, he still technically has a very powerful exoskeleton, even though it doesn't look like he does. Yeah, like he stops like a sword.
2: He stops a bullet or there's the like repeated scenes where he tries to eat human food and gets horribly sick or incredibly full in an instant
0: so good there's a moment where like they do an eating contest and he takes a sip of water to clear his to clear his palate before he starts but the water fills him up completely because he's a beetle <laughs> But yeah, I, I will say a little bit more about Mora King. Um, frequently, the way that Mora King fights is that he fights using sumo wrestling, because that's how Beatles typically fight. It's closer to sumo wrestling, obviously. I don't think Beatles think of themselves as sumo wrestlers, but <laughs> that is what they do, and people have sumo wrestling matches between rhinoceros Beatles. Yeah. And the way that that manifests is that Mora King will take off his clothes and he's just wearing one of those like weird sumo wrestling diaper things. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. (laughs) (laughs) suddenly it's hilarious yeah it makes me want
1: to go like see a beetle wrestling match but i feel like that's kind of i guess kind of animal cruelty
2: not entirely it's one of those things where they do fight naturally but also reading up on the hobby it's like most of the people if you're going to be putting this sort of money into your beetles they don't fight with them anymore because it's like oh i don't want to get its shell scratched or what have you yeah it is a complicated uh, situation.
0: I don't understand enough about it. Like, it doesn't seem like uh, chicken fighting, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. They normally don't die, from what I understand. Yeah, they just
0: throw each other out of the ring, I think. Yeah, I feel like the kids in this story would be a lot more uh, worried about it if the bugs did die.
1: Yep, that is fair. The next character that's really worth talking about is the praying mantis character Mariochi Oka, where it's kind of like she like tries to do some subterfuge and hides that she's a bug for a while, and then they like find out like kind of like the next chapter after she shows up, and then she's like, "Yeah, you got me. I'm a praying mantis." And then they have a fight, but she like isn't very good at fighting, so More king is like, "Oh, well, I'm stronger than you, but you can be my friend." And then she just kind of joins the posse.
2: Yeah, her like initial idea is she's just fighting for her survival mm-hmm. and thinks that. that- that's what it is like she's working 20 different jobs to try and get what she thinks is needed for her life and then it's like after she realizes that it doesn't make her happy and she just wants to be friends she changes and mostly shows up to eat or beat other bugs
0: true but also i will say like the function that she really serves is she's shoko's first real friend Mm -hmm. what happens uh when we first meet Shoko is she's working in a part-time job and everybody there who works with her is like much older than her like she's the only teenage girl until this other teenage girl shows up and that's Oka and they get along super well it's very sweet and very heartwarming and Shoko is like stunned when it turns out oh my god she's also an insect
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like they know how like the female insects are a lot better at like being a part of society than the male ones
0: yeah i noticed that
1: <laughs> the other female insect the hornet Sisabachi bachi mayo where she's just an asian giant hornet and she just like says her antenna is like a cowlick
2: or something and nobody questions it and she just goes to school and stuff and has mobs of people following her because you social personality types
1: yep and then she just keeps trying to stab people but she's very ineffective which is one of the problems of the series that the women are
0: not portrayed as being very competent at fighting I disagree with that because the thing is the praying mantis girl is actually very effective later when they fight like a mob of like other insects. It's just that she can't do shit to Moraking, because Moraking is like covered in incredibly powerful armor. And the comic actually points out that this is what it's like in nature. Praying mantises don't go after rhinoceros beetles because they can't do anything to them.
2: Oh, that's cool. And the same thing with Mia where her sh- uh, stinger is unable to pierce him, but She is able to show up and fight later on in the world tournament.
0: Spoilers, when they storm the stag beetle's strange chum (laughs) bucket-esque structure with giant beefy legs and horns, she terrifies the shit out of everybody in there because they're like, Holy shit, it's a fucking praying mantis! Oh my god! So it's just, she has a heart counter. Exactly. Uh, There's another character we're gonna get to. We may as well go to him now. Um, Are you talking about the butterfly
2: guy? Okie Samora. Yes! The Great Purple Emperor. Samora shows up and he looks like this punk. He has a scar on his face and he's always got a straw that looks like a cigarette. And he is owned by a little girl who's the same age as... Shoto. they're adorable, and Oki is great because he looks like this tough punk, but he really just loves the community, loves his owner, and is also a delightful idiot.
0: Yeah, he kind of is the Japanese, um, the Japanese archetype of like the punk with a heart of gold. Like he's a bancho type, if you're familiar with that. Do you want to define that just for people that might not be familiar with that term? Yeah, so Bancho um, refers to more or less, like, teenage, cool, Japanese, like, punk kids who are, like, kind of, like, in gangs. Like, you see it a lot in anime. If you watch One Punch Man, that's Metal Bat. Josuke from Jojo Part 4 is kind of that. Half the characters from Yohaku Show. Especially Kuwabara. Kuwabara is absolutely... Oh, yeah, Kuwabara's got the haircut. Totally. And that's the thing. If you see a kid in a mango... And he's got a pompadour and he's wearing like a school uniform and he's like a tough kid. That's a boncho. What I love, he has a straw. It was so funny when I realized that that's not a cigarette and that's a straw. It is such a clever touch. He's a butterfly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a butterfly. It's his proboscis. It's genius. I love that design choice. See, I feel like this
1: episode contrasts with Our Blood Oath, where I, like, am standing this as much as you are, so I can't make fun of how much you like the series. Yeah, it's good! It is! And then I think there's two characters we haven't touched on, just so we can get into the negatives before we can start really getting into why we enjoyed the series so much. So, the, the next character was Kurotski uh, Ko. He is a cockroach boy. He got kicked out by one of the other, by kind of, like, one of the main bad guys, or I guess like the closest thing to, like, our main bad guy. The stag beetle. Yeah, and he's very good at, like, hiding in Recon. He's kind of like their scout. He finds out all the details when some mysterious new insects show up. He's the one who really finds out their background. And, yeah, he's just a really nice kid. He looks to be the same age as Shota.
0: He's adorable. And I also love that, like, he feels very bad because, as a cockroach, he's seen as a pest. Mm-hmm. And it's great because he, like cockroaches, he kind of just hides somewhere. Like, he'll, he'll hide under the refrigerator or something. Mm-hmm. And they'll just be like, Ko, I need help. And then he'll just show up. One of the big things is um Shoda and Shoko's mom loses her wedding ring and Mora King asks Ko to please find the wedding ring. And Ko just like goes all over the place, like just jumps from all the surfaces in the entire house to find it underneath
2: the washing machine.
0: And Shota goes into how, oh yeah, cockroaches are very fast. It can
2: go under any surface that they want and squeeze into tiny places. Mm -hmm. Later on, when their grandparents show up, it turns out that because they've been helping the town so much, he's essentially running a small bat cave in a basement that nobody was aware they had. (laughs)
0: Their grandpa discovers, like, this little, um, like, staircase downstairs, and they just discover Ko sitting at a supercomputer like he's fucking Oracle. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. I love Ko. But the thing is, Ko, the reason why he's here is because he was cast out by his previous king, who is Kawada Oga, which is the first kind of big bad of the series. And he's a stag beetle, which is actually bigger than a rhinoceros beetle. That's kind of the first good matchup that Mora King has, and he doesn't like people. There's kind of a Charles Xavier Magneto energy between the two,
3: mm-hmm.
0: especially because they were, were apparently, when they were larva, they were apparently rivals at a dojo, but even though Oga thought that he was stronger, the master gifted the final technique to Mora King and the final technique was,
2: I believe, the spirit bomb? <laughs> Except for love of the forest and summer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The fight between Mora King and Oga is essentially both a Dragon Ball Z and a Bleach parody. <laughs> it's really good. Like, Mora King just makes a mask appear on his head out of nowhere. And it's called a Bug Kai, which those are two Bleach references right there.
2: They also give Shoda a bunch of cards for his special moves that he can activate out of nowhere. And then Oka's owner, who is uh, Shoda's... Friend who is his age, a girl named Sakura, feels really bad, so she goes and makes cards for Oki, and it's delightful. It's just enjoyable, and it's very sweet. Like, these are little kids,
0: and they're being adorable like little kids are. Yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of the entire series.
1: <laughs> okay, and though as much as we enjoy this series, I do think this series has some negatives, so why don't we switch into going into really why it failed. Luke, what would you say is probably the biggest weakness you identified
2: I feel like it has to be the art in a lot of ways. Like, the art is serviceable. Everything is clear. It gets across what he's doing. It's just not as polished as it could be. There's parts that look off-model. Like, I love the weird-looking dog Chappy, but Chappie does not look like a normal dog. And I think that's the biggest thing. If you're looking for, like, high-end quality art and you're trying to get those, like, 3D gradients and everything, that's not what the series is.
0: Chappy looks like Knuckles from Sonic
2: <laughs> every time I see that weird-ass
0: dog. But no, it's true. One of the worst manga that we've read on here uh, is called Bone Collection. And the art in Bone Collection is terrible, and it's an awful gag manga. Weird, sexist stuff throughout the whole thing. Mora King's art is like on a similar level, but it just works so much better, I feel, because it's cute. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it absolutely is rough.
2: It feels a lot like you just got your book on how to draw manga and this is how you're going to approach and it's things like when the grandpa appears, his head like he's bald and so the top of his head is just a round orb instead of like an actual skull shape.
1: The artist very clearly did not want to draw action, either due to a lack of skill or laziness. Like, you notice every single fight in the series is resolved in maybe one or two pages. And that is really disappointing when Japanese bugfighting is a real thing, and they really could have made some pretty cool fights. Look at the Praying Mantis fight. That wasn't even a fight. It was just like, oh, it doesn't work. And yeah, I get it's a joke, but it just was a very clear excuse for the author not to even have
0: any sort of actually drawn physical violence in the series.
2: Yeah, I think that's valid.
0: I definitely think that the author really was also just not interested in making an action. The author is definitely more of a, more of a gag manga kind of guy.
1: And I think it's about setting expectations. Like, for instance, I think my current favorite gag manga in Shonen Jump is High School Family, which has, I would say, all the weaknesses the series does. Like, the art is not good. It has the most cursed-looking cat you will ever see in Shonen Jump. But it is absolutely hilarious, and it doesn't really try, and it doesn't set any expectations for there to be, like, a sense of action or violence. Well, I think this series just, when you describe this series to someone, you immediately compare it to things like Shaman King or Zatch Bell, or in particular Zatch Bell, as we discussed, where, yes, there was a comedic element, but Zatch Bell still has had legitimate fights in it there were multi-page there were multi-episode fights you didn't get this half-boiled like oh well we set up a combat oriented premise we're not doing it which really just made it that i had this expectation that there was going to be some sense of action that was going to be enjoyable that the series just withheld from you the entire time like no one ever says we don't use combat to con- to decide the king like they set up that tournament arc they just keep subverting it every single fight of why it's not really a fight instead of establishing that as the rule and i get it's funny but it also meant like okay so no one actually
2: is going to fight in a series where everyone is super strong bugs but i do think that in some ways if it was just long drawn out fights we definitely wouldn't get as much of it as we got and i am more here for the just random competitions that they give because it's something that i don't see in other places and i appreciate the irreverence
0: you can tell that the author realized he was probably going to be on the chopping block at some point because suddenly out of nowhere, like, well, we've introduced all these characters and we defeated uh, the stag beetle. Oh, hey, look, all the South American beetles showed up. There's actually a really great moment where the bugs are taught, hey, you guys realize that, like, the world isn't just Japan, right? And then they show them a globe and they're like, holy shit, there's all these other continents? That was great. And then they fight a bunch of bugs from Indonesia to determine who the uh, who the winner is and those bugs kind of show up out of nowhere and we don't really get as strong characterization for them as we got for the previous round of bugs mm-hmm. which is a little disappointing. And I
1: think this series also was kind of like Time Powered Ghost so Rider right, where I don't know how this series could have lasted for a hundred chapters because it really really started running out of steam like chapter 15 or so and I know it probably was burning its material faster than it needed to but still I would not have
0: expected the series to go past where it ended anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it sort of started with a time limit because it mentions over and over again and directly implies the whole time that, like, no, these are bugs, and they're going to die at the end of summer because bugs die after summer's over. They don't live very well. So, and at the end, they, like, uh, use magic to subvert that a bit. Like, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. The series didn't need to end in a super depressing way. But, like, I don't know how they would have continued past summer. Mm-hmm. It just feels like after that, that defeats the whole point of the manga.
2: I feel like the only other way is like Mori King gets adopted by another family or something of that nature, which would have taken out a lot of it. But on the other hand, I wouldn't mind potentially seeing sort of a Digimon generations where it's just like, oh, well, here's the old people who are also now interacting because they've regained their memories of Mori King.
1: Yeah, maybe they would have encountered the original, like, they find, like, these ancient insects or whatever, you know, like, and they're just all, like, 10 feet
0: tall or some shit from, like, the Jurassic era <laughs> mm-hmm. when bugs were huge. It would have had to have become a different era. Mm-hmm. It would have had to have changed completely. So I'm kind of actually fine with where it ended.
2: Yeah, I would not have minded more chapters of it, because there is definitely the the switch that gets flipped. But I think all it sort of cut out was more of the non-overarching story ones. But I I love those non-overarching story ones where it's just like, oh, they're filming a movie now.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking more King Battle Tendency.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Hercules Beetle turns into Dio yeah <laughs> oh god one last thing i
1: thought was really problematic is i felt like the series just it was kind of the poochie effect where when Morking isn't around everyone is kind of just like where's Morking?" king we're not really able to function as characters because our entire personalities and jokes are just based on how we interact with the main character
0: i definitely see that he is absolutely the center point of like of everyone's uh lives I'm
1: going to be honest with you guys, I felt like this kind of white it failed section wasn't quite as strong because, as we talked about, this series really did do a lot of really enjoyable things. So let's turn it to what it did well. Jordan, what would you really say kind of stands out to you as a highlight?
0: At the end of the day, if I were to boil it down, this series is about the nostalgia of growing up in the summer and just, like, the nice things that happen as a little kid. Like, you have, uh, Shoda, and his story is about how it's fun to be a little kid and raise a beetle, and, like, just get really into, like, insects, and just these things that interest little kids, and just the fun that you can have there, and the friends that you can make in doing that. Whereas with Shoko, for her story is about being a teenage girl and getting a part-time job and making a bunch of friends and just, like, having a good time over the summer. Like, it really is. The real Mora King really is the friends we made along the way. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally fine with that because that's, like, the whole point of the manga, almost. Like, it works really well. Yeah. And it winds up just being a very delightful series. I would wholeheartedly agree it's just wholesome the stakes are i guess
1: high if you really thought about it but relatively speaking not really and it's just nice to read where people are friends and it's just cute adventures and there's no bloodshed and you know it's a nice change of pace to some other things in jump but like can you imagine going from reading chainsaw man to this every week
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely just like uh blood and guts and then oh i turn the page and oh hey it's more okay yeah this nice, handsome anime boy with a uh, rhinoceros beetle horn sitting at top of his head. <laughs> Yeah, and everyone's just so accepting of him, too. They're accepting because he's really good. Like, oh, man, one of the funniest things to happen in this manga. It just made me laugh for, like, a full minute. <laughs> so the first page of this chapter, um, Shota runs in, and he's like, Mora King, Mora King, he's in trouble. Oh, my God. And I'm just thinking, oh, my God, Mora King got in a fight. Mora King got hurt. Mora King is, like, doing something weird. The last thing I expected was turning the page to see Mora King getting arrested by some police officers yeah (laughs) it's so funny and the cop is like uh i've been on the force for 30 years i can tell when someone's lying so he's like all right mora king how old are you and mora king's just like one and he's like there's no hesitation he's not lying i've never seen something like this before what (laughs) what's your occupation king mora king's a total chad by the way giga chad for sure up there with mash
2: oh yeah I'd say he's more himbo than Chad in some ways.
0: You're totally right. He is prime himbo. What do you mean by himbo? Like a bimbo, but a guy. Oh,
1: okay. Mm -hmm. Pure of heart, full of ass. So you're saying like Mora King is like a dump truck beetle, you know?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, David, that's what I mean.
1: God, this is a great episode. Another thing I really appreciate with the series was it didn't really try and establish rules to the world because it knew there was no way to explain anything that would make sense. It's kind of like MST3K where it's like if you're asked too many questions, you're going to be for a bad time. So just
0: relax while you're reading it. Mm hmm. Just say to yourself, it's just a comic, so you should better just relax. But it's also interesting because the series does justify these things, but it justifies them by having Shoda say, list off bug packs, and then just say, yeah, no, this is just an extension of what how bugs actually act.
2: It's just evolution, baby.
0: It's evolution, baby!
1: We're just going to ignore things like the square cube rule, which is why this wouldn't work.
0: The square cube rule?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so the square cube law is that as the size of something doubles, its mass cubes. So that's why there's a limit to how large things can be and why you can't just scale things proportionally. Why, like, an ant that was the size of a human would not be able to lift a hundred times its weight because while it is ten times larger in height, it is a hundred times larger in volume.
0: I mean, it's a series about a rhinoceros beetle morphing into a, an attractive anime boy. Yeah, like, just don't worry about it. Like, really, that's your issue, you know? Exactly. Oh man, it is so funny whenever a character is confronted with the fact that they have to realize that Mora King is a rhinoceros beetle. Like, it happens a bunch of times, but it's always funny. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments is where Mora King is talking to the praying mantis girl and he's just like, I will show you what it's like to be a king. And then the next thing we see is Mora King just buries himself underground with just his like, his rhinoceros beetle horn sticking out because that's what rhinoceros beetles do.
2: One of the other things I loved was when they were going into the battle with Kuwata. And it's just like, we need people to stay behind and guard the house. And so Bio just had an army of bikers that followed her around all the time because they're big fans of her. And so they just stay around the house. And so for like the five issues that it's uh, happening, the family back at the house is just like serving tea and having snacks and having a good time. It's like delightful. Are they having sex? Snacks. Oh my god, I thought you said they were having sex. I'm like, whoa, what? Dude, you 100% said having
1: sex. I was like, I do not recall a sex scene in this wholesome manga. Yeah. (laughs) They had to find that missing pudding. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that was so gr That was so funny. Oh my god. Their dad who we haven't talked to, talked about much, but is hilarious. He bought some pudding like a pudding cup for himself. It's like the stressed out parent thing where it's like, look, this is all nuts but at least I have my pudding. And then he looks in the cupboard and the pudding's gone. So he just freaks out at like the family. Well, the whole family kind of freaks out about it. (laughs) At first he's like, I got that pudding for being at my company for like 20 years. No, I'm kidding. I actually just bought it for myself. And Morik King puts on a Sherlock Holmes outfit and decides to figure out who the actual culprit was that ate the pudding, but it turns out that Maura King is actually stupid. Yeah, it turns out that bugs don't actually have a higher cognitive function, which again, if you think about it, it'll ruin the whole manga. Don't think about it. Just know that he's not super smart because he's a bug. So then what Maura does is he pretends that he ate the pudding in order to calm the family down, but uh, they notice, wait a minute, that isn't pudding you ate, that's beetle jelly. And more things like, it's true, I just wanted to help you guys. It kind of brings the dad back further onto their side. It's funny.
1: But who ended up eating the pudding?
0: Uh, the mom. Their mom just walks in the door like, hey guys, what's up? After they've had this whole fight, it's like, hey guys, what's up? Uh, I ate that pudding cup that was in there, but I bought a bunch of pudding cups for all of us. Let's have a pudding party. Which is so fitting for the universe of this series. <laughs> the mom's great. She's hilarious. She's adorable. She just totally goes with everything. Yeah, like, most of the women do, except for Shoko, who is understandably freaked out by Mori King initially, but, like, their father and their grandfather are both initially like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. hmm Although they come around to it. It's kind of adorable how Morkin gets them on their side too, because both times it's like, it points out like, look, your son is just really happy about raising this beetle. And, you know, Moriking is just really making him happy. And due to the, to the love that they feel for Shona, they accept Morkin.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. So the next session, I'm going to be honest, was a bit of a challenge, but we're going to try our best to talk about how we could have reinvented this series. So I am actually going to admit that I really couldn't think of like how I would completely redo the series because there was a lot that worked but I would really say is this had a lot of, this just had a lot worth keeping. I feel it could have made the fighting to plot ratio a little better just because I really did have the expectation I was hoping there would be at least one legitimate fight maybe every 10 to 15 chapters and it just didn't happen and so it would have been great if characters really existed beyond just the jokes that they provide so it would have felt like there was a sense of like where this plot was going because the author just kind of knew he was on borrowed time, so he kept feeling like he had to be three chapters away from ending the series at any moment. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I feel like when you make a manga like this, you're aware you're doing something risky, you know? Especially if you're submitting to Shonen Jump. For instance, I don't know how I would change this, but I'm pretty sure that, like, if the manga had kept going, or the author didn't feel that way, then we wouldn't have gotten that last tournament arc. It would have been split up and much more gradual you know? Mm -hmm. For context, the way the last tournament arc shows up is just a bunch of bugs show up out of nowhere, and they're just like, hey guys, we're all gonna have this big tournament to actually end the manga, essentially. (laughs) And what would have probably happened is we would have gotten, because I think most of those bugs, if not all of them, are from, like, Indonesia or South America. We would have probably gotten, like, a steadier influx of oh man, here's the team from this country. Oh, here's the team from this biome, from this section of the world. And each of them would have Become like their own characters and stuff like that, and yeah, it just kind of ended too soon because, like, if you if you think about the way that the characters go, you have um, Kuwata, who is the evil stag beetle, and then you have the Hercules beetle guy, who is more or less just Kuwata. They're very similar in terms of characters, where they're both bugs who
2: want to take over the world and um, and turn it into like a place where bugs rule or destroy. It. Well, there were some slight differences in the philosophies. Like rereading this as many times as I did, it's like- (laughs) like kuwata was also very discriminatory against his own bugs if they were too weak and a way that i don't think the hercules beetle was where both of them wanted to kill all humans or put bugs in the dominant species but the hercules beetle at least seemed more accepting of all types as long as they were subservient.
1: Luke, I'll definitely let you do your pitch, but this is just giving me the idea is how I realized that a really big component that never was had any presence is there was never a like spider presence. And I'm just imagining that's what could have been like the sequel series. Spiders just don't exist in this world, and like they unearth the spider people from a cave, and it's like the <laughs> descendant of Morking has to defeat the spider people <laughs> to restore <laughs> balance. Is there the main predator of the in- insect kingdom? <laughs> yeah, he should have fought a tarantula. Right? That would have been great. So, like, that would have been, like, a cool scene for, like, a legitimate fight scene where you had, like, an eight-armed dude try and fight him.
0: That is interesting. I mean, I guess tarantulas aren't insects. I guess they're technically arachnids, but I mean, I don't feel like that should super matter for this. Mm-hmm. But like, tarantulas are pets. You know, people actually do keep them as pets in the same way that people keep rhinoceros beetles and scorpions. Oh yeah, I just got fired from working at a pet store, and we sold scorpions. It is interesting. Do you think that it's like that's a uh, more of an American thing keeping tarantulas as, as a pet? Maybe that's just not something that happens nearly as much in Japan.
1: Maybe, but still, it's just weird that like those are the unnatural predators of bugs. So. It's just- just weird mm-hmm. but as i was saying luke please give us your two cents because i realized i just want to make it that we don't skip over you before we delve more into this conversation
2: no worries i mean for what it is and for what it was it did reach an end point and i mean i've seen other western comics before that suddenly had to shift to an ending point like why the last man suddenly got 20 issues cut out of its uh overarching plot and it feels like it yeah and i mean that's u.s issues so that's like almost two years of storyline that's terrible yeah uh but i i'm happy with where it ended if anything i would not mind seeing the like live action adaptation of this because so much of it is literally just oh here's a handsome boy let's put a beetle horn up and a beetle shell on his back
0: oh my god a live action version of mora king would actually rule. if there was a netflix movie adaptation of this it might actually be pretty good
2: That was my thinking, like, you can do it as two movies or two short series because Netflix is not really funding anything that goes on beyond that because it's not profitable.
1: I was also thinking about how this would have been fun as like a miniseries that literally lasts the length of the summer.
2: Yeah.
0: I will say also, this is, um, so for context, Luke, uh, almost every manga that we have read on this show ends with a time skip, and usually it feels extremely rushed, and it sucks, but it works here, because the time skip is, like, six years later, the way the manga ends is that, like, all of the bugs, except for Morikin are able to become humans so that they can retain the friendships that they made while being bugs, and they all forgot that they were bugs, except Morikin, who is still a naked man, acting like a rhinoceros beetle. Yeah. The only person who didn't forget is Shota, And it goes six years in the future where he's now in middle school. I believe he's the head of the Insect Research Club at his middle school. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet. It just shows that, like, yeah, these experiences we had as kids were very formative. And we've continued to grow since then. We've really come into our own. Like, Shoko's there. Shoko's in college. Um Sakura's there. Like, Sakura's is still friends with Shota. It's very sweet. This whole series is
1: Alright, so let's make a quick pit stop in miscellaneous thoughts town before we get to the final verdict that you guys are, and me have definitely alluded to what we overall thought of this. So, Luke, what would you say are some miscellaneous thoughts on your mind?
2: I think if this series wanted to inspire people to look into insects, it succeeded. I spent about two hours after initially finishing it looking up, can I get a beetle for a pet? How much uh, problem is it? And then seeing that beetle larvae are really, really gross. And also that it would be, I think, heartbreaking in a way to put a lot of love and care into something that is only going to last for one year.
0: Yeah, but I also feel like this manga points out that there's a beauty to that. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It was weird there was not a single The Beatles reference, like, I was waiting for them to at least do, like, a chapter cover that was, you know, like, The Road Walk, or at least parody some other Beatles covers, but, like, they just
0: didn't talk about it. I don't know if The Beatles are nearly as huge. Yoko Ono was Japanese. Oh yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. Yoko yeah, Yoko Ono. It would be funny if Yoko Ono is more popular than the Beatles man. That's probably not true.
1: Oh imagine if Yoko Ono just like you she had like she just shows up. It's like how Babe Ruth just randomly showed up in security busters. <laughs>
0: that ruled Oh
1: And she's like, Oh, these are the wrong Beatles and leaves.
0: Oh, that would be so funny. Yep.
1: That would have been the funniest shit ever.
0: Hot take, by the way, Yoko Ono rules. And she invented new wave music.
1: And then referencing something else, I think we talked about this, had this really, I could have seen this existing in the same universe as Ozu, which was a series we talked about, I think, two episodes ago by the creator of Micro Academia.
0: This manga is what Omega Donkey Zoo should. Yeah. This whole premise of the author clearly having a love for these creatures and just having somebody there who every time the creature does something, they're just like, oh wow, that's just like how animals really act in the wild. Like, it is exactly, it is like almost exactly what Ozu should, you know? But instead the author hates doing that shit. There's a really funny Dragon Ball Z reference in the here. Spoilers for Dragon Ball fucking Z. Vegeta gets killed by Frieza on Namek, and Goku buries him, and Vegeta asks him to kill Frieza, and he's like, wow, that must mean a lot, hearing it from you. So he buries him, and it's a very, like, poignant scene, and Vegeta cries, which is amazing in the moment. Uh In this manga, however, the butterfly guy, like, faints, and is like, please, uh, please Mora King defeat this guy for me. So Mora King starts burying him, and he's like, I will do this for you. But the butterfly guy's still very much alive, and he's just like what are you doing
2: and his head's just sticking out I'm also just always thinking about Chappie, that award-winning dog.
0: Mm. <laughs> that was so funny because he's Soccer's dog. And they have a um, a town-wide pet contest to determine who the best pet is, and Soccer enters in uh, the Butterfly Guy, and they're just like, "Why didn't you enter Chappie?" And she's just like, "Oh, Chappie won last year." <laughs> what? <laughs> and they're just like, "Chappie won? This is just this dumbass dog." Yeah.
2: I don't know if it was just in the translation, but there's something that I read. It's a weird Lord of the Rings reference where when uh, the biker steals groceries, he's just like, looks like meat's back on the menu.
0: Oh yeah, and then she's just, no, my premium beef. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> is one of my favorite lines possibly in any manga I've ever read actually.
2: (laughs) It's delightful with so many wonderful moments. The ramen eating contest where the (laughs) mantis girl is in it and Mori King drinks like one bowl of ramen and then is full.
0: He drinks a glass of water.
2: And then it turns out that the mantis girl is like doing well and she's keeping a toe, and then she just shits out a tapeworm that is just a fancy looking British guy because that's how mantises work in real life yeah it's
0: just... It's... <laughs> <laughs> she's just like hey can i have a can i have like a big bucket of water and maybe a curtain and then next thing you know there's just like this uh this butler guy like alfred from batman just standing there and they're like oh yeah he was a, he was a tapeworm that was inside my stomach now my stomach's empty and i can just keep eating
1: i don't think i've ever seen someone kind of take a shit or a piss before and so vividly in a shonen jump series <laughs> it was wild oh god (laughs) speaking of nuts are you guys ready to get to our final thoughts Mm -hmm. yeah jordan how's my transition game been i started really high but i don't know if i've been maintaining
0: you've been going good i don't know what nuts had to do with it but i think you're doing a good job because
1: this series was kind of
0: crazy yeah
1: whatever let's get to the final break so i will start things off my six word summary is bug out with some wholesome friends
0: i would agree with that
1: I worked really hard on that one. What was your
2: six-word summary, Jordan?
0: I now want a rhinoceros view.
2: I like it. How about you, Luke? Forest King expands found family exponentially. My previous one was uh Mora
0: King is the friends we made, but I already said that, essentially. I had a similar one, and I scrapped
1: it. I had two, and I was like, all right, well, that one I didn't already say, or no one else made that joke yet.
0: Can't really fit uh the real Mora King is the friends we made along the way.
1: Uh, I'm sure there's some way.
0: You're like, okay, imagine a bunch of dashes between these words.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Friends along the way, yeah, it's all hyphenated.
0: The whole thing is uh, hyphenated. It's like, the real more kings are friends we made along the way. Two, three, four, five, six.
1: Yes. (laughs) Jordan's uh, six-word summary eventually will just be six sentences where he's forced to take a break, and every sentence is hyphenated.
0: David, let's be real. That'll be
2: you. Hell yeah. Have I done a six-word summary as a haiku yet?
0: I don't think you have, and that is surprising.
2: Uh, Actually, my two-sentence pitch is a haiku. Really? There you go! Yes. And then to get back to it though, flop or not, I think we're all in agreement this was not a flop. This is
1: just a really fun series. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I 100% see why it got canceled. It also really told the story it needed to tell, but I had fun. It made me laugh out loud, which very few series in Shonen Jump period. I think the ones that made me laugh are probably One Piece, Mashal, and then I think Chainsaw Man still is probably the funniest thing I'd individually read in a manga ever.
2: What about uh Mitama? Oh, you're right. Mitama was also funny. Where does the two sentence pitch come in? But that was in what could happened i'm sorry i thought you had already done that
0: you can give it now though
2: oh yes to stretch mori king ignores the summer's sad truth we all must live with ephemeral time provides the beauty missing from eternity that was terrific that is your cousin of the six word summary so we're gonna keep that here
0: are you a poet i write should do more haikus, like
2: maybe throw in the word refrigerator a couple times. Oh, shut up, Jordan. Oh, wait, that was a two-sentence pitch of how I'd remake the manga, and yeah, no, I just said I'd do a movie. Never mind, I misread that. That's totally cool. It's totally cool, because that was great. <laughs>
1: and then so jordan uh well i know we all thought this was not a flop what elements of the series made you decide that verdict
0: it was very delightful to read i felt like it ended kind of the way that it wanted to end yeah the series didn't make it to like a billion chapters but i think it's ridiculous to call that a failure of the series you know Mm -hmm. because it wound up working fine like it was just a very delightful series that taught me a lot of stuff about bugs it was like edutainment but really good edutainment you know
2: luke how about you After two years of reading bad comics that, for the most part, attempted to be gritty over having quality and focused on trauma instead of anything else, this has been a delightful palate cleanse, and I am literally on my third read-through of it. Oh, that's awesome.
0: That's so great, yeah. So I guess now we compare it to, uh, David, how does this compare to Chainsaw?
2: This is good, but not
0: even close. It's not even fair to compare the two. It's like saying, Oh, what's a better movie? Uh Dodgeball or Die Hard? Yeah. Dodgeball is a fun movie though. Same here. I really love this. Like Chainsaw Man is on a is just a complete on a completely different level and is it Juts goes for some totally different things. I would say that Chainsaw Man is better, but I don't think that's a against
1: Yeah. So Luke, I know you're probably not familiar with Chainsaw Man, but what would you say is your favorite comic of all time and how does this rank up to that?
2: so i will stick with manga i have gotten several recommendations telling me to read chainsaw man i just Mm -hmm. have not yet but uh one book that i love that i don't know if it gets enough press is delicious in dungeon
3: oh i'm
1: not familiar
2: uh it is a manga about a like fantasy adventuring party that they lose one of their members the main character's sister so they have to go back into the dungeon to save her but they don't have enough money for food so they start eating monsters along the way and it's a cooking manga so like they treat everything realistically and they have like a fats and salts and vitamins and stuff for all the meals that they make while also building out this very western inspired fantasy world and it is beautiful funny heartbreaking sad scary like it's sort of a altogether wonderful manga and i mean it's Far and above, better than this, but it's also a totally different thing than this. It's like saying, "Yeah, this uh eighty dollars steak is a better meal than Taco Bell, but sometimes you just want some Taco Bell." Oh man, me and uh, this guy in Discord didn't just talk post about Taco Bell all the time, and it's great. I mean, I am disappointed by Taco Bell for removing so much of what I loved, but I miss the grilled cheese burrito, dude. That was my life for a summer. I
1: miss the Mexican pizza. So Jordan though, we still didn't decide is this better or worse than TBG?
0: Uh so TPG, Time Paradox Ghostwriter. I might still say Time Paradox Ghost Rider is a little better than this, but it's like it's close. Yeah. I feel more equipped to compare it to Mitana Spirit but Do you think it's better or worse than Mitana Spirit does. Uh, yeah i would say that's a better
1: debate i would say i think i enjoyed this more because i really felt like spirit busters just kind of started doing the same jokes over and over again while this one still kept me laughing yeah so i I would say that but i think the funniest parts of spirit busters was better than the funniest parts of Morking.
0: they're like tied for me though i I love both series I, i might have to say this is like i think
1: this might edge out even in mind how matima had the best last chapter. So for context, Luke, Matuma someone got cancelled, the last series is like a recap, and the main character starts talking about all these adventures as though they had happened, but since the series got cancelled obviously, like, they never happened. The other main character's like, what the fuck are you talking about? None of those events actually happened. <laughs> and it was just like the most perfect way for the author to burn all of the material he had thought of before he got cancelled prematurely. Wonderful. We were like, it was kind of worth it getting cancelled because that was just so much funnier than how it would have benefited naturally ended.
0: Yeah, I guess that's why I would probably put King over it, because, like, I don't really feel like Morricane fully runs out of stuff, you know? I really think it probably had another five chapters
1: in it, and then it really was not gonna know what it was gonna do until, you know, Battle Tendency, and it started introducing the spider. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I like how it's like, oh, I have no idea how I would have redone the series, and then I've just created my own continuity of a sequel that doesn't exist for it. You know what I would have called that sequel series, David? More, it came. Oh, I thought you were gonna call it Beetle Tendency. <laughs> Jordan's like, son of a bitch.
3: Okay, I can get that with that. Mm-hmm.
1: And then speaking of referencing other people's works, let's take it to the shoutouts. Props to Jordan for making the opening ending theme. Props to Jennifer for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Art by Toast and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thanks to Tucker for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. Be sure to check out Shonen Flop Guide and his companion series, which goes into further details on each of the series we cover here on Shonen Flop, and which comes out two days after the episode's release. I also want to give a thank you to Miriam, Nicole, and Audie for their help with social media. And I want to just remind you that if you are enjoying the show, to please rate, like, review, and share it. It really helps us a ton. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, or wherever else you get
2: your podcasts. And above all, I want to thank you, Luke, for being on the show today. Where can they find you? Thank you for having me on. This has been delightful, especially for the introduction to Mori King. So you can find me on Twitter. I'm moving on and off protected mode right now as I job search. Uh, I am on there as at K-O-L T-R-E-G. I also have a website, Luke Hair L-E-U-K-E-H-E-R-R dot com, where you can find links to the podcasts that I've done, including Multiversal Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in <laughs> podcast form, Exiled, a a primarily marvel alternate universe hopping actual play podcast rpg pals club at rpg which is a DD actual play that i do and then a few other things the unbearable weight of Nicolas cage uh tales from the outlands which is a new campaign discussion podcast about a 18 player dungeons and dragons campaign that i'm in holy shit
1: that's more than 17 players
0: Wow, yeah, that's one more, you're right.
2: And uh, I also do comics on a variety of topics.
0: What's your craziest topic?
2: I mean, I did a gothic romance horror period piece about people accidentally uh, digging into a natural fission reactor and all dying of radiation poisoning. Oh,
0: that rules, what's that called?
2: uh, that was called The Tomb of Naomi, and that sort of stuff, uh, is available on my website, or I've got a Gumroad, which is also under my name, Coltrag. You are doing a lot. I really respect the hustle.
0: Also, um, I just want to really thank David for editing and putting this podcast together and, you know, all around good guy.
1: Oh, well, thank you, Jordan. As always, it's a lot of fun. I couldn't have asked for a better co-host. And both of you
2: have been great to work with, uh, the build up to this was delightful. Oh, well, thank you.
0: It's been great talking to you.
2: We're
1: definitely going to have you back on when we cover um, More King 2, Beatle Tendency. Fair enough. And then going into general shout outs, I first want to start by giving a shout out to the Weekly Cooldown, eternal friend of the show, Kami Jace. Love him. There's not a better guy in podcasting. He has a podcast where it's a weekly gaming podcast covering the latest topics in a fun way. You can find them at anchor.fm slash the Weekly Cooldown. The next show I want to give a shout out to is Squid Talks. New episodes every Saturday. Their life, their opinions. Open your mind, open your heart judge not lest ye be judged bringing people together find them wherever you get your podcast the forever adventure network website for celebrating life hobbies and all that make life worth living you can find the never gets old and the macgyver podcast along with macgyver slash hd1 audio series on Stitcher, spotify and anywhere else you get your podcast and then i'm just going to play promos here
0: Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation?
1: The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram.
0: Me, Hassan. And me, Levi.
1: Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been David. This has been Jordan. And this has been Luke. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping,
3: flopping.